Left. Right. Welcome to Sip Talk. We are talking about student loan gloom. Students owe a lot of money in student loans, whether you graduate or not. And even worse, if you didn't graduate, the amount of student loan debt is rising outwardly. It's uh, insane numbers. Today, we're talking about lucrative practices to getting student loan money into the hands and the bank accounts of students and uh, how difficult the reality of paying these student loans is. So uh, listen on. If you have the confidence to share, let me know in the comments how much you owe on student loans. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Right, we are live. This is Sip Talk, episode 177. My name is Justin DiGiulio, out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosonator Boswell, philosopher, professional referee, professional bartender, and most exciting of all, accountant. James, how's it hanging down there in sunny South Carolina? Yo, I'm so burned out from accounting right now. <laughs> this is peak uh, accounting season, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I booked, like... This is on top of a full-time job and on top of refereeing on the weekends. I booked like another 10 or 12 hours to the to the firm just last week, and I'm probably going to be on pace for like seven or eight this week, which so you, that's on top of like having a full-time job and other responsibilities. So you, you were just swimming in other people's financials this month. Yeah, that's basically my life even with the mortgages is dealing with other people's financials. Well, look, uh, that's enough to have a drink. Let me ask you, what are you drinking down there? We're back on the Bush Ice train tonight. Very nice. It's a good train to be on. Is this uh, warm Bush Ice or is this icy Bush Ice? Um, it's refrigerated Bush Ice. Okay, so that's icy. That's an icy scale. I got a little Pepsi Max here, and uh, I got some of this Talisker Storm left, so I'm going to have a little bit of that. And today we are discussing the impending student loan crisis and, and what whether or not student loans are worth it moving forward, basically from today. I, I'm, you know, I, I've always been afraid of gigantic student loans. And a lot of people out there going into school over the last few years and for the next few years moving forward, taking on a massive amount of student loan debt. So we're going to get into that. But I owe to anybody who listened to the last episode, the last three or four uh, future jobs. So we kind of left off on at uh, garbage designer, basically people who are hired to deal with waste moving forward because that's you know our country produces a lot of waste. I want to hit the last uh, last three actually. Okay. One, one is a healthcare navigator who assists families and patients undergoing extensive medical treatments. As we know, a lot of people are getting uh, less healthy. And as people live longer, we live longer. A lot of times old age is not a fun time. So we have a lot more health care needed. Uh, robot recruiter. The job is source compatible AI for households, individuals, and employers to fill recruiting like cleaning, cooking, companionship. So basically robot uh, robots helping in the household. Um, See, so the robot recruiter one makes a lot of sense to me as – and I could see them being 
employed by the companies that make these robots and they'd be kind of part almost like an interior designer in terms of here's all the things that our robots can do let's figure out what works for you and your home i can see that as a growing area um the healthcare navigator that one already exists and the fact that it exists is kind of bullshit in the first place in what sense because i think you need somebody to maybe help you just like we have people who help you with travel think about the person that needs extensive medical care yeah, I think it's that the system that we have for healthcare in this country is so needlessly complicated and and full of bureaucratic red tape and and there's so many ways to get tripped up just trying to get even a basic procedure that like the the system really just needs to be revamped and rethought from the, the ground up. You mean. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And the last one is and you will agree with this same same vein as the as a healthcare situation is financial wellness coach offer customers one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions to understand their digital banking options and improve people's financial health. Wait, that uh, already exists. It that, already exists. A financial planner or a financial advisor of here's how much money you have here, how much money you're making, how much money do you want to save? How do we get there? That's that, that already, that job not only exists today, it's existed for quite some time. Yeah, I don't I don't see how that would expand in the future. However, that is the careers with stem.com 15 jobs that will no longer that that don't exist yet that will exist in the future and that's in in continuation of episode Sip Talk episode 176 where we talked about future jobs that don't exist yet and then current jobs which won't exist in the future. That was a that was a kind of cool episode actually. I like that. Uh, but yeah. today today you want to you want to get us started on the right foot. You sent me a couple of articles I think we'll stick with the student loan uh, topic articles, but you want to lead the way on that one? Yeah, this is a topic that's come up in conversations I've had with a number of people, um, which is when it comes to debt and the world that we're in right now, like how sustainable is the system that we have when it really feels like people at the lower end of the wage spectrum, even people that are working full-time hours, I, I wonder how they're able to afford basic life. And if for you live in New York City or in the, the area, and so imagine someone who's working, like if, uh, is the minimum wage in New York City $15 an hour? I'm, now, I don't know 100%, but I'm like legally speaking, but it was my understanding that it is now $15 an hour. Okay. So if you're making $15 an hour in New York, where are you living? So what's the take home after a week? So you got uh, eight hours a day. So what's that? 120 bucks a day times five. That's 600 bucks a week. What's 600 bucks a week after tax? Um, I would assume, let's say after tax, you're looking at 500. That's it's probably a little too low. Like it's probably more like five fifty or so. But somewhere Out of between hundred. Yeah. No. 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 I'm sorry because I, I'm only factoring income tax. Um, if you do like Social Security and FICA, then yeah, probably figure about ten percent tax. You're probably coming home with about five seventy or uh, I'm sorry, four seventy. Let's call it five hundred for easy numbers. Okay. Which gives you two grand a month for total expenses. For everything. And yeah, and that's an overestimation. Now, yeah, we're going to be charitable everywhere we can. Right now, you can't really find a studio in Manhattan for under $2,000 a month. 
So you're living you're living in Queens, uh, Brooklyn, Bronx, maybe Staten Island, but then you have an even longer commute. Is there uh, anywhere in New York that you could afford a, like a a single a, like a single bedroom apartment for under two thousand right now? In New York or in, in Manhattan? In the city in general, I guess. Yeah, out in Queens, Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, of course you can. Uh, we have some studios, one beds in the nineteen hundred dollar range in Manhattan. But that's, you know, you're further uptown. So it may actually be more lucrative commute-wise to live in Queens or Brooklyn if you're living way, way uptown. Just, just depends on what you want your commute to be and what you want your neighborhood to right. be Right. So like. what's the cheapest apartment you could get that's not just like a shoebox? So so let's say the cheapest apartment you're going to find within 45 minutes of midtown Manhattan is going to be about 1500 bucks. So now you only have $500 a month left for food? And well, let, let's look at cell phone bill. And so a a metro card is going to cost you about one hundred and thirty bucks a month. So now we're down to three seventy. And then uh, cell phone bill, let's call that seventy bucks. Mine is way two sixty. So now you're down to uh, two sixty. Okay. Um, what other, what do, uh, what do other expenses look like? Maybe a hundred dollar. Like How are you gonna eat? What's that? A hundred dollars every two weeks for groceries? Does that sound reasonable? No. What's, how much do groceries cost? I don't have any idea. <laughs> I think for... <laughs> Sorry, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I think... Well, you know what? $100... So $200 a month for groceries if you're doing the absolute minimum. If you're getting, like, the cheapest stuff, you're getting, like, lots of pasta and, like, and the, the, the bare minimum Yeah, food. oatmeal pasta, stuff that, like, lasts and goes, and goes far. Um, yeah, I think you could do... I think $200 a month you could live off of, but you would not be happy. I mean, I spent a lot of time being a lot of broke, so I know what it's like to really... Oh, yeah, Rosh brings up cable, electricity, and utilities. Well, let's let's strike cable from that, and let's call it just internet, and let's call that $50 a month. So So now now we're down to $210. Electricity is going to be at least $100 a month. Now you're at $110. Well, and and then you're $200 for groceries, so now you're at at negative 90. Yeah, and you can only live like that for for so long before you you know that's basically how I lived. I moved to New York City. I had a little bit of savings. My expenses living very modestly, meagerly, um, and my expenses outweighed my earnings for the first nine to twelve months that I was I lived in the city. So all right. So with this in mind, this little thought experiment, like the the question that I had to ask was like. How is it, and this is someone living on their own. If you've got a family, if you've got someone that you have to take care of, if you've got a kid, like, throw all that out. Well, we but didn't, but how we didn't is, include we didn't include auto auto loan or, or auto insurance or anything. No, 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 no. Like, we, we gave this person the best possible financial picture. Um, so the, the question I was looking at was, this is a system where a lot of people, honest, hardworking people, are being priced out of our country's financial model right now. And I just don't know how people can afford to continue existing. And it's, I, I don't know if it's sustainable. And if it's not sustainable, what breaks? What, what breaks and what do we need to fix? Well, let's say you are 18 years old and you're going to go to a, a college. You're going, what do student loans look like? You want to do a four-year school or so? So... Um, I mean, let Should me quickly... we hit this article? You want to share the article, and then we'll discuss... The, the housing... All right, so... I don't, I mean, I don't, 
not, not, not housing. I, I had a different, I had housing affordability index up because I wanted to talk about homes because there's an, like, I'm not, I don't want to get into it, but the, the thing that was interesting to me was like giant firms like BlackRock buying up individual homes as rental properties to be like loaned at the corporate level. Yeah, um, I, I think and, that is a much, much deeper issue. And uh, yeah, I think that's a whole different level of, financial uh basically a fuse for financial explosion in the future but but you had these two articles here um all right so here's what all right i'm looking for like the average or the median um tuition cost for a uh four-year degree right now and right now i'm seeing about thirty-five thousand a year um now if you do a public four-year school, like in-state tuition for a public four-year school is about as cheap as you're going to get. That's twenty-five five. So let's call it a hundred thousand over four years is about as good as you're going to do, and that's using in-state tuition at a public university in your own state. Okay. Um, if you go to a private school, it's looking like. Thirty-five eight just on tuition and fees, and then they for, have about seventeen or or per per education per year. Okay, so then you're graduating with a hundred and forty, uh, hundred and forty just about. Uh, and that's and that's before room and board. That doesn't include living on campus or your living expenses if you choose to live off campus. That thirty-five eight per year is just tuition, and that's the average. And what was for, the public again? What was the public school option? Uh, twenty five five twenty five four twenty five thousand. Yeah, holy fuck! So that's a hundred grand after four years. Yep, not including housing. So yeah, this is just tuition. Um, this is, I mean, to me, this is really scary because just about anybody can get a student loan, and there is no collateral. So I read an article today saying that student loan is only a fraction of what people owe. You know, people owe a lot more for mortgages and housing. But my thinking was there's collateral for mortgages and housing, and not everybody can get a loan for mortgages. And they also have to put down a percentage to qualify for most mortgages. Yeah, hold on, one more thing. So um, like four-year in-state, the average is actually about 9,500 for the tuition for the year. But this is saying that there's additional expenses of 16000 that like it doesn't define. So I'm trying to figure out. I don't know how reliable well, those numbers are. Let's say at 12500 a month or so. What's that, what's that equate to over the course of a year? 12500 a yeah. month? Yeah. That's going to be about sixteen grand in, in – if, if that's your rent price. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Is about but, about fifteen grand. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that might be factoring in like in-state room and board or something. I don't know. But like, let's call it that the the minimum you're going to be able to get out of a four-year bachelor's degree, I think fifty thousand dollars is the lowest you can probably do. Then that doesn't sound so scary. But let's look at what a four-year degree earner earns on graduation. Mm-hmm. So I have a Northeastern University uh, average salary by education level. This is their average, and they're saying bachelor's earns 64000 per year. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, what would a what would a loan amount look like going to Northeastern? Oh, Northeastern's way expensive. Let me look up Northeastern's tuition. Yeah, because and then you're graduating with a four year degree, and you would be earning sixty four thousand dollars. Now, I don't know much about the economy outside of New York City and the New Jersey. Kind All of right, so Northeastern tuition fifty six thousand five hundred plus eleven hundred in fees seventeen eight for room and board. We're not going to count the seventeen eight room and board fifty six five hundred plus ten ninety two times four two hundred and thirty thousand three hundred and sixty eight. So I have a question for anyone who's listening. I want to know what you currently owe on student loans and how old you are. If you don't mind sharing how old you are. But uh, on TikTok, I'm curious what you guys owe on student loans. On Instagram, Facebook, what do you guys owe on student loans? And how old are you? Because I think think both of those numbers are really important. Now, you you and I managed pretty lucky when it came to student loans and education expenses. Uh, I didn't have an education, and yours... uh, you got a good deal, yeah? Yeah, I didn't have to pay tuition by virtue of my mom being a professor at the school. Um, so real quick, I just ran a calculation. Um, that $50,000 figure that I gave is like the best case scenario um, for like in-state tuition. So you're obviously not going to be making any payments on that while you're in school. And the link that you sent me said that like the expectation is that these student loans can be pay- should be paid off in 10 years. Right, I mean that's what a lot of people are thinking when they go into this. Is, I yeah. think what that's what the so, sell that's what the sell is when student loans are being sold to students. Yeah, so that fifty thousand dollar loan paid back over ten years, and I used four and a quarter as the interest rate, which is honestly probably a little bit too low. That's five hundred and twelve bucks a month that you have to pay. Five hundred and twelve dollars a month on top of your regular expenses, and this is for ten years. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't sound that bad. That doesn't. I mean, it. But but just bear in mind, what is what are you starting from? You're not starting from thirty years old. You're starting from. You're not starting at thirty years old with savings and ten years of working. You're starting at twenty two years old, and you presumably have limited savings because you've used what you had to buy textbooks and pay for housing and pay for food and pay for living expenses while you were a full time student. Yeah, like maybe you were lucky and you were like maybe you worked hard over the summer and you made like maybe you made $20,000 over your 4 years of summer work and maybe you got a paid internship and maybe let's say $25,000 that you earned over that time, but you probably spent a lot of that on things for yourself and I'm not judging you for that. You like part of college is living and having experiences. And if you if you're the person who went through college and didn't spend a single penny on yourself or any college experiences, then it probably was a miserable time in your life. You've, yeah, I think you failed yourself. I think college is a lot more about a book smart education, a lot more than just about a book smart education. We've got a couple of numbers here. We got from Jess, zero dollars at 33 years old, and from Robin, seventy-five thousand dollars, fifty years old, uh, working for twenty-seven years to pay this off. So student loans are definitely, at 50 years old, you've been working for more than half of your life, and you still owe 75 grand. That, to me, is very scary. So a couple of facts about student loans. When you are looking to finance your college education, you have three options. Uh, you can do it, well, uh, really, you get three steps. Step one is fill out a FAFSA, which is free application for federal student aid. 
And that's more like an application to tell you what your options are. And then you have the option, ideally you have the option for scholarships and grants and your FAFSA application will tell you what those options are. If you don't get free money, which is money you don't have to pay back, like scholarships and grants, then you can opt for federal student loans. And you can have, this is what you just mentioned, James, you can have direct subsidized loans, which the interest is, there's no interest while you're in school. And then you can have unsubsidized loans, which the interest actually accrues while you're in school. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that is bad. And then you can have direct uh, direct loans. Uh, and also, so you can get just regular loans, and your parents can get loans as well. Now, these loans typically require very little, if any, collateral and zero money down. So these are loans that almost anybody can get. And that to me is very scary the fact that everybody is encouraged to get these loans these loans are being sold to people and there's no overhead in getting these student loans so that you could be 27 years into your career and still owe seventy five thousand dollars yeah think about so when you bought your house think about whatever the purchase price of that house was think about all the things you had to do going through underwriting all the documents that you had to provide them to verify mm-hmm. income and assets and credit, right? Yeah. So for a lot of people, getting student loans is going to be approaching like the cost that you paid for your house, but yeah. no underwriting. But no underwriting at all. And that that's, that's – I'm – that's why it's got to break at some point because the mortgage on this house is quite heavy. This is what people get for their education, and they may graduate making sixty, seventy, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars. And well, having- the other difference is with the mortgage on your house. If you stop paying, there's something left behind. There's a house that you can sell. With yeah, you a have collateral. Yeah, with a student loan, you like. The degree that you get from the university, like the piece of paper that's behind me, um, that I probably might, I, I don't know, maybe I could get 50 or 100 bucks for the piece of paper. <laughs> I don't know about that. You'd have to be able to alter it some way. I, I'm, I'm being optimistic here. But like, what is my degree worth? Well, nothing I can sell it for. Like I'm selling it for like in chunks as part of my labor for when I work. But, like, if I wanted to just, like, sell my degree, that's not possible. Can I share some salary levels? And this is per Northeastern study, per Northeastern. Actually, it's from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And then I want to share uh, some, let's see. Let me go with the average salary for less than a high school diploma. So... That is a median annual income of 30784 So if you haven't graduated high school, you don't have a high school degree, you're earning about thirty grand on average throughout the country. Average salary with a high school diploma, about $38,000. So you go from thirty to 38 Now, uh, the average salary with some college but no degree, 43000 so, 
that's interesting because really you don't have anything to show for it, right? Like you can't put, I did some college and dropped out on your degree. But what I think that shows is that you've learned something and you've, you've learned to think beyond that of the grasp of someone who only has a high school degree. Do you follow me there? Yeah. Well, it also makes sense of like a lot of times if you have some college, but you didn't um, get the degree, a lot of those people probably got an internship and then parlayed that into a paying job. And they're like, I don't need to complete the degree. I've got the job that I want now. And that's kind of what happened with me with my second degree with accounting. It was like, once I got an internship and got in, like I tailed off on my accounting schoolwork because I was busy enough working and like kind of got where I wanted to be. I follow you. So I actually heard a really compelling argument for education, and it actually makes me want to go and retake some calculus. But that while you learn a lot of math and you learn a lot of science and you learn a lot of complex things in school, a lot of those things you will never use again in the future. But what you do use is it math and logic and science train your brain to think in certain patterns and think in with certain logic and think w- with certain degrees. Yeah, there's an element of problem solving that it teaches you. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say, critical thinking and problem solving. And that's what you learn when learning. And uh, and that's why that's why I think there's a a difference in income between uh, that's my thinking on why there's a difference in income in uh, high school education and then some college. Let's hit a uh, oh, uh, Kay says she sees a mirror behind you. No college degree. I also don't see a college yeah, degree. Yeah, um, if you see that the below the smile, you're on camera. Um, too small, thing, my friend. Too small. The, well, you see where I'm pointing. So that white thing. That's the sign that says smile here on camera. Directly below it is my degree. Uh, very nice. I have a 12-inch model of the Terminator behind me, uh, so that's what I got going for me. Speaking of speaking of which, uh, can I talk about cars yet, or should we continue talking about education? Let's, Let let's, me give the rest of these numbers. Let's let finish the up with the, uh, the right. student loans, and so, then we can talk so, about something we truly love. Some college, but no degree, 43000 Associate's degree. 46,000. So really this associate's degree has at this point the the least amount, the least percentage amount of, of value. Hold and on. That, Can you give me um I, I want I'm going to run a quick calculation while you're doing this. So high school was 30,000? 30, yeah. Uh no high school. No high school. So high school not complete 30,000. Okay. High school just give run the number High school real quick. 38. Are you making a graph? Yeah. Uh some college, but not no degree, forty three thousand. Associate's degree, forty six thousand. Yeah. Bachelor's degree. This is the first big jump, in my opinion. Obviously, zero to thirty thousand is a is a jump, but bachelor's degree, sixty four thousand. Like around that sixty five. Can you do sixty five? Sure. Because it's sixty four nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Master's degree, and these are these are average for the U.S. Uh, master's degree seventy seven eight. Uh, uh, professional degree or doctorate degree ninety seven thousand. Okay, 
cool. While you're talking about this, let me run some numbers. So I think I think really we see the biggest takeoff at the master's, actually at the bachelor's degree. I think associates is a pretty easy degree to get. I know I went from high school into college, and that transition felt very simple, pursuing the associate's degree. I think the level of complexity and the level of seriousness for students increases drastically after the associate's degree. I think it's very easy to get that associate's degree, but if you want to pursue the bachelor's or the master's degree, then you have to decidedly sacrifice a portion of your early 20s for your education, which seems very difficult to do at that time. But would you rather be 30 years old and have wasted two years and have that degree? Or, or would you rather be 30 years old and be wasting the rest of your life because you don't have that degree? And that's really the trade-off when it comes to what you want your profession to be. And I'm not saying that you might be wasting that time. It really depends on what you want your profession to be. Not every profession requires a college degree. Uh, uh, the vast majority of them, I actually don't think that they do. And I think some of the wealthiest and highest earners in the U.S. make money not based directly off of their degree. They make money based off their business. Um, but that's why I think there's a real issue as to whether or not college is worth it these days because if you're going to graduate and you're going to earn $77,000 and you owe, hear me out, and you owe uh, 240 grand and it's so fucking easy to slip into college debt because you don't have any income, you don't have any money and if you're that deep into your education it doesn't make sense to just give up on it, it makes sense to take out another loan and All right. double so I got, some, I got some numbers that I think you'll like oh. here here, hold on, hear me. It, it, if you're that deep into your education, it doesn't make sense to just give up on it. At a certain point, you just got to double down and say, fuck it, I'm going to take another loan and just keep going. All right, hit me with the numbers. All right. So what I did was I ran a, a value simulation on each one of the categories, like no high school all the way through doctorate degree. Mm -hmm. And I assumed a 5% interest rate. So like you're going to get 5% more each year. Um, for either like the investments that you do with your money or salary raises over time. I'm assuming 5% growth every single year. And I'm assuming a 40-year working life, right? Okay. I think these numbers sound pretty reasonable. So uh, let me just ask, where did you plug these numbers into? An Excel? or where... Yeah, I, I read a quick Excel. Okay. All right. So for at, at, with no high school and you're making $30,000 a year, your lifetime earnings are going to be about $3.6 million. Okay. And that's what the 5% increases. So well, high school. pretty aggressive, I feel like, for, for that. It is. That's, but that's somebody who's not working at Burger King in the same position for seven years. No, but it's, it's, a, it, it's aggressive. But at the same time, it, it, it's also accounting for if you've got no high school, like, and if you've been working for 20 or 30 years, you're probably going to get good at something and, like, eventually well, start doing something that getting more than that 30,000. Well, and again, that, we just need to make these assumptions to get somewhere because a 0% interest rate makes no sense. Yeah, fine. All fair and well on that. But I, I actually think a lot of people are eight years into their career earning no more than they were year one, doing no more than they were year one, saying, why am I making the same amount? And yeah, 
that 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 situation doesn't hold up in the numbers you're about to throw out. So, so that, that okay. uh, go ahead. So here's what we got. So if you get a high school degree, you go up to almost 4.6 million. So you're looking at almost a million dollars more over the course of your life just getting your high school diploma. Okay. Next jump up, some college gets you another 600,000. Some what, college what, What's the total amount of that? 5.2 mil. Okay. Um Next one is if you get if you complete your associates, you're getting another three hundred and sixty-two thousand, so five point five, five point six mil. We didn't, we didn't see much of an increase there. Okay, so right. what's the next bachelor's degree? You're looking at a uh, two point three million dollars more. You're looking at about seven point nine million over the course of your life. Okay, all right. Um, masters, you're getting you're at about nine point four million, so one point five million more. And then the doctorate degree, you're looking at 11.8 million or about two, 2.3 million more. And so what you have to do is you have to run those numbers against the cost of the student loan. So at this point, I think it looks like the best bang for the buck if you only want to, if, you, if you're really looking for where the, where the biggest increase is, is gotta be that, uh, it's gotta bachelor's be the degree. bachelor's, right? The bachelor's, yeah, that's the, the numbers show that the biggest jump that you see is getting to your bachelor's. bachelor's yeah which is which is wild because i feel like with the associates you're basically on track you have the momentum moving towards the bachelor's depends mm -hmm. obviously if you're in a two-year school but you have that momentum it's it's really that you're talking another two years well the the thing is like with an associate's degree so many four-year schools make it very easy to take a two-year degree and then just like hop on and do something to finish up a four-year degree with that two-year degree yeah and, and there, there's a lot of programs that are accelerated programs and especially if you're taking out some big loans uh and you're not working full-time to support yourself you know to me that makes sense and, and the best time to do that is when you are young and potentially could be living at home or living with the roommates yeah, I think the issue is that, like, I'm assuming a five percent interest rate on the on the earnings. But if your student loan rate is higher, and a lot of people I know have student loans in the six to seven percent range, so and it, when you first get out of college, so like when we're looking at the average salary for someone with a bachelor's degree, that's looking at not just the 23 year old who just graduated with a bachelor degree. But we're also looking at the 44-year-old who's been in the workforce for 20 years who also has a bachelor's degree but has built up a lot of experience. So you can kind of look and say that like, your age and your experience in the workforce is going to have a pretty big impact on those averages. And so if you just graduated that $65,000 for a bachelor's degree, you might not be hitting that. And you, But the note payments are still there. You still have to pay this loan, even though, like, maybe 20 years from now, those like that loan payment's not going to be too bad. But now is not 20 years from now. Well, also, that's the average national income. So you could be at a place in the country like Kansas where you might be earning 50 grand. You could be in a place like New York City where you might be earning 90. A, yeah, a 90, 90 grand. So it really also depends on where you are. But that uh, also is going to affect your cost of living because your rent in Kansas is going to be way lower than it is in New York City. 
Sure, but my point was it doesn't affect your monthly payments. So, not on the student loans. If you not, if you have a certain timeline as to how you want to pay them off, then yeah, it doesn't matter where you live. The loan payment is a loan. So so what do you what do you think is going to happen over the next ten or the next six to ten years for people that owe two hundred grand and the and, and the job market's not great and the housing costs are very high? What what happens to that? Because there's a lot of talk about just total like blanket student loan forgiveness but to me that doesn't that's 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 addressing the effect and not addressing the cause so that's a really good question that doesn't have an easy answer like for example my roommate has like 30 something thousand of student loan debt and that's i asked him uh, yeah i asked him about it and he about? says I i'm never paying that back like what's the how does that even work what's the how what he just he's like I, I I've defaulted on the debt. I'm not paying it. Like oh, so he's they, just giving up on paying it. He's saying fuck fuck them. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go eight years and just not not have any correspondence with the banks. But yeah, it's uh, like I'm, there's no reason for me to open any letters they send me because I'm not paying them. I like that approach. I actually I'm very curious why more young people with nothing to lose do that. Or don't do that. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. Uh, you know. I. I think, if you have some huge, huge debt and you just say fuck it. Well, the problem they, is. They garnish your wages for that. No, but if you ever want to buy a home, it's going to be an issue. Within a certain amount of time, at a certain no. point in time, it's going to fall fall off your. Nope. Why not? Student loans are like herpes. They don't go away. Mm, that wasn't the phrase I was thinking you were going to... Also, student loans are one of the few things that are not expungeable in bankruptcy. Oh, no shit. So student loans are really just fucking stuck on you like Herbie's. Yeah, good good example then. I didn't realize that. I thought student loans would disappear after a certain amount of time with just non-payment. Nope. Wow, but they can't garnish your wages, and there's no qualification needed to get student loans. Yeah, it's a dumb system. Um, this, I mean, what I me, think, I think the way that you do it, I, I think the way that you create, you, you need to create an amnesty system. You need to make it so people who have student loans can, they need to set up some kind of a payment plan where they actually do pay back like interest and principal well, on the loan. But if you have, and, and you can do it based on income and, and like, and like cost of living adjustments. So like you could have areas where like you, you you do yeah you do it income based and you say that well, we're based on, on your income hold on just let me finish this out and you say after 10 years if you make every single one of the payments over 10 years i'm just picking a number mm -hmm. um whatever balance that's remaining at the end of those 10 years will be forgiven so if you owe 200,000 and they say well we'll do an income based pay payment where 10% of your income annualized goes towards the payments and here's the schedule and for 10 years you make that 10 percent payments and you owe 200,000 and now after 10 years after making all the payments you owe 130 now it's zero because you tried who's paying that balance the government yeah so that's my issue though is the fact that the cost of education is so high and that it's not subsidized on the front end and that one, I don't think it should be subsidized. I just don't think it should cost so much. Well, you know why it costs so much? I have no idea. Insurance. I so no it's idea. the supply and demand. So one, 
it's really really hard for for people to get like decent jobs without a degree so that increases demand also as we talked about student loans being extremely easy to get that increases supply of capital which increases the uh, the availability of education to more people which increases demand so the universities have a somewhat fixed supply and so if demand goes up and supply stays the same price goes up but why do universities cost so much what it, where where's that money going um a tremendous amount of waste that's what it sounds like to me just like the health in terms of all these bullshit administrative positions that the universities hire yeah it it because it's not really going to the teachers. Like you might have a couple long tenured professors that are making a lot of money, but a lot of these schools have like associate professors or um, what's the name for like the temporary professors? It's slipping me right now. Adjuncts. There we go. Adjunct, like yeah. adjuncts that are making. If you're if you're a full time adjunct, let's say you adjunct for two or three different schools, yeah. you might be making forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, which is which is fucking wild. And then. So, like, the the cost of the school is not really going to the actual education. Like, well, it's, the, the, the schools are hiring all these bullshit administrative positions of, like, secondary associate director of student housing development and wellness. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Making $65,000 a year. And they sit in an office, and once a week, a student comes in and complains about a rat that they saw in the dorm. Exactly, yeah. Very, very – it's just not a very engaging job. There's not much happening. Which is, so I, my thinking is we're going to have some major, major defaults on student loans. They, they increase quite a bit every single year. And it seems to me uh, not sustainable. We'll thank uh, MateMD22 for – uh, some weird spammy comment here. <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought it was saying something about no, prime no. Uh, rates or something like that. No, it, wasn't. it was just a it was a link dropped in the comments here on uh, on Twitch. So so look, I want to I want to talk about a couple of things. We got uh, I, I got nothing else on on uh, predictions for student loans. I think there's going to be a huge default. I just don't think that with the cost of housing rising, the cost of living rising, and the most recent huge inflation amounts. That I, I just don't see the cost of existing being sustainable. And no, I think, and I, I think I, those highest costs, the things that that cost the most on a per month basis, those are the things that are going to break first. I, I agree with you. I think that in the next ten years, we're going to see a massive student loan debt crisis. It's not going to rival the mortgage crisis of two thousand eight because the the underlying asset class is different. So you're not going to have people losing their homes well, yeah, and yeah, you're not going to see the be... effects on the real estate market that everyone can tangibly feel and see just by driving down the street. But it's going to be a major thing because most of this debt's privately held and government backed. Yeah. Um, but again, there's no collateral and it's not, it's not forcing people into homelessness or hunger. So it's, it's going to be a weird, it's going to be a weird crash to watch play out. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know exactly what the implications are of just not paying your student loans, except having bad credit and not being able to get a, a house or an auto loan. And you can get auto loans anyways, just higher interest rates with bad credit. Yeah, auto loans, you're not going to be prevented, but housing, that's going to be an issue. 
but that's buying a house, not renting a, a home. And since you're talking about this Blackstone thing where they're buying a property to rent, that makes it even more. Yeah. Um, how about we finish out on a light note with some of those questions you had? Yeah, I, I think that would actually be a, a cool idea because I, I, I like these questions. They were kind of these moral and ethic uh, term questions. Um, I wanted to talk about some car stuff with you, but I think uh, now is neither the time nor the place. So I will have to share with you the saga of the last several days of me doing work on my car. Uh, the A5? A7. And uh, trying to change the the brakes, the brake pads, the rotors, and then actually the wheel bearings, which uh, very difficult in the German car. Never The last couple of Porsches that I had... I did nothing mechanical to them whatsoever. So thinking the Audi would be a lot easier with the engine in the front, just kind of more uh, standard-looking vehicle. But everything's a metric. All the tools, specialty tools, uh, really complex. We're going to talk about that another time. Though. I want to hit these these ethics and moral questions. You want to? You got a list in front of you? I do you want to hit that, You want to hit that first question, and uh, we'll go from there. When can we say that an issue is a moral issue? Now, James, you are the philosopher, which is why I think these questions are good for you and I. This is a straight-up philosophy question. When, exactly. is, when is an issue a moral issue? And let's define moral, though. I, 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 def, I would define moral as right and wrong. Mm, that's too vague. <laughs> okay, so, so what are your thoughts on this one? I would define ethics... As well, systematized no. well, mor you know, morality, more morality and ethics are kind of used interchangeably. So I'm going to use ethics because that's the that's the domain of philosophy. So ethics, I would define as a systematic approach in analyzing duties that you have to others. Okay, so then when is an issue? A moral issue. When it, so basically, when are you doing something that is for the greater good, or, and when are you doing something for the greater negative, despite your intentions? I, I think that would because it, it, my my thing is just you look at like any movie, any bad guy, and in and from his perspective, he always has a just cause. So what I would say is. So the when does an issue become a moral issue or an ethical issue? I would say any time the actions being considered will have an impact on somebody else. Positive or negative. Yeah, because you can have like an ethical issue where like you're doing something good. It's not like... Generally, you don't have to think too hard. Like, should I do something good for this person? Well, sure. Yeah, go ahead. But I, it, that's still an ethical issue. No, I think, yeah, I think where the, the domain goes, you know, very quickly is into the, the negative domain, right? Like, yeah, because. Does, but, but, it, but I think it's just as equal in the positive domain. Yeah, and, it's just less interesting to talk about doing good things for people when you're thinking about, like, I could do this, but it'll harm somebody. Should I still do it? Like, or I could do this and it'll be like, and it'll make somebody's life better, should I still do it? The answers are a lot easier because you're like, all right, cool, somebody benefits from it. it um, so I would say anytime the actions that you're going to undertake are going to have an effect on somebody else. Okay, next question. You get the list, and my list is not actually oh. in order here. So, 
does cultures affect do cultures affect one's moral standard of what is right and wrong well i mean yeah. this you you basically just asked the question of should the field of sociology exist <laughs> uh, well i i think i think there's a very clear yes to that is that culture very much dictates morality in some cultures like you look at socialist cultures and those are cultures that want to take care of everyone at the expense of everyone. No, I'd say collectivist. Would that not be socialist? Are we? No. What's the difference? Collectivist and socialist. Collectivist is the attitude of the people feeling like they are all in whatever endeavor, they're all in it together. So you've got collectivist versus individualist. Like social like collectivist is a social behavior whereas socialism is an economic model okay fair enough I, I i will buy that um so can you think of a culture that is um more collective can you think of a culture that is less collective japan united states where would you put sweden on that on that scale um I'm not saying that Japan is the most collective culture. There's probably some examples that are more more so. But if Japan's a 10 and the United States is like a 2, Sweden's probably like a 4 or a 5. Where would you put China on there? An 8 or a 9. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, all right. What's the next question? I suspect my neighbor is stealing my newspaper. Should I set up a booby trap to teach him a lesson? Uh, so I really I like this question because this is kind of a, a morality question. My thinking is no, but you should set up some way to draw attention to the person that is, and uh, you know, and and if they do get caught, they should just be embarrassed out of it. What are your thoughts? I I think that this is an immature response. So, so my thing is a booby trap is is not good. Like some paint that's going to explode with some ink on their face, or just something where they might be injured. Or, but yeah, you actually open yourself up to considerable criminal or civil liability with this plan. But my thing is, if you were to put like a solar powered light that is motion activated, so it's a motion activated light, but it's powered, it's solar power. Putting that on the area where the newspaper might be stolen, that may not be a bad idea. Um, you know, it's a newspaper. So if you, the thing is like, you got to know when it's disappearing to be able to know where to draw, where and when to draw the attention to. Yeah. So what I would say is if you know which neighbor this is, knock on their door and say, why are you stealing my newspaper? But I think you need to catch them in the act before you can just knock on the door. Because I see so many instances, especially in business, where somebody's like, oh, this person's doing this, and this has happened to me, when actually it's just not. That person's just a bit nuts. So I think you actually have to, you you got to catch him in the act. Uh, you know, I had, a, I had an agent that works for the company that I work at, and he came to me and said, hey, these guys rented this apartment. I showed it to them. They went behind my back. They went direct to the owner. They had agreed to pay me a, a, a commission, but they just cut me out. And I said, well, how do you know they're living there? And he said, well, I just have a strong feeling. I said, well, you can't sue them because you have a feeling. You've got to, like, see them at the building or something, which, of course, then somehow he ended up at the building, took a picture of them, and uh, and then they had an attorney call the office and say, hey, this guy's harassing us at, at our house. And I said, okay, well, 
now we're now we're getting deeper into the you know legit. well it's also like you're the idiot for like you let your client walk well uh, he there was a lot of kind of a b c d e f g type stuff in the beginning that he really just fu- let go so he he fucked up from the get go but um well he decided to continue the practice after the deal but he did catch them in the yeah, he caught them living there and i said yeah but know, it doesn't I mean, matter he has no recourse because he screwed up well, exactly, and that's what I tell a lot of agents. But but in the initial example of catching somebody who's uh, supposing somebody is doing something wrong to you and then accusing them of it is really difficult when you don't have the proof. All right, what's, uh, what's our next question here? What is one regret old people have? Boy, we're super qualified to answer this one. Well, I have a pretty good answer on this. And, you know, I, I listen to a lot of, like, motivational stuff, and I, I – I listen to I, I I hear many times people talk about old people, and I think if if there is some perspective that you want to have on your life, is to talk to people who have lived. You know, what, I I actually I I have a big fear of being around old people because I have a big fear of being around regret, and that seems to be an overarching. Uh, sentiment of old people is a lot of regret and the regret is usually in things that they didn't do or didn't try or things they didn't pursue and that's that's what i see the regret is in, in missed attempts and missed trying yeah i think probably the the easiest answer would be like the, the one that i would think would most common is i regret not spending more time with the people that i loved and usually it's I was at work too much and I didn't get to see my kids grow up or I didn't get to spend time with my wife or I didn't get to spend time with my dying brother because I was at work. So it's trading time for money instead of time with people. Well, nobody ever says I wish I worked more or I wish I bought more stuff. So I think I think that that really reveals where your your mind needs to be as somebody who is living uh, and who is younger all right what do we have next here is it true that when the government grows freedom recedes objection your honor leading (laughs) i uh uh, i actually tried to post something on tiktok and it bounced back after i tried to post it but the my general idea was if if we live in a free country and we continue to create laws without eliminating laws, we are restricting more and more so what we are able to do. Now, I'm all for living in a, a just society and a safe society, but with every law that we create, our freedom must recede a little bit. Yeah, but again, it's... Things aren't zero sum. But but I think it's I not think zero sum here. If you, like the ideal because if you give up a small amount of freedom but the societal gain is considerably higher, then like it's positive sum. And you could also have a law passed where the societal gain is minimal but the freedom loss is significant. I'll give you two examples. First example, gun control. Making it 
harder making the background checks universal minimal freedom loss significant societal gain because less people that shouldn't be getting guns get guns so well, minimal freedom that... loss big gain here's the here's the opposite example the abortion law in texas where just last week a woman had a stillbirth in a hospital and got arrested for an abortion minimal minimal societal gain massive loss in freedom now when you say zero sum i understand your point but i think that's because we're speaking in infinite numbers and i think the correlation still runs parallel where... no what i'm saying is that you can have a law you could have a zero sum law where the amount of freedom lost is exactly equal to the amount of benefit to society but you can also have a law where there's a small loss of freedom and a great benefit to society or a great loss of freedom to and a very minimal benefit to society it's not zero sum but it can be positive or negative sum i realize that we are talking about benefit to society and not freedom well and and that's where we're not talking on the same terms. Well, everything, every decision that a government makes is balancing the freedom of its uh, citizens with a benefit to society. I if you have no government, uh, you have maximum freedom. It's complete anarchy. Do whatever you want. Sure, but with every decision they make, is it balancing freedom or is it receding freedom? Is it in, encroaching on freedom? Well, by, necess by necessity, it's re restricting freedom because the law is, pro is exactly. like proscriptive. So, but you have to look at it as, is the loss of freedom more, more than outweighed by the gain to society? So you can look at public education laws. Public education is compulsory. So that's a significant loss of freedom for the kids. What would the kids rather be doing? Playing video games. Playing in the, in the woods. Who knows? But instead, they're in school. But the gain for society is immense. So that's a pretty big loss of freedom, but an even bigger gain to society. Fair enough. And that's a well-chosen example. But I do feel like freedom is what is being challenged here. Right. And what I'm saying is that the loss of freedom is not necessarily a bad thing. I, I, I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that we're seeing freedom recede in our country that is supposed to be free. Although when you when you compare it to what's going on in places like China, I don't know if you saw any of the videos of what's going on in China recently. The lockdown but, in Shanghai. But but the lockdown is hard fucking core where they're taking people's pets mm -hmm. and they have these mechanical things walking around the streets. I don't know if that was a one off video or not, but they got robots walking down the streets, uh, with loudspeakers on them saying, Hey, you're shut down. They have drones uh watching to see if people leave their homes people are starving because they can't get access to food well here's really what i would say is that stuff. i think that freedom like in terms of like on a zero to 100 scale and enjoyability of life so freedom is the x-axis enjoyability of life is the y-axis you can basically look at on a zero to 100 scale it's going to be kind of a bell curve 
I was like, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Exactly. Where you like, if you have absolute freedom, then someone can just like, like shoot you as you're walking around, and there's no recourse. Or sure. you can be in a place like China where you're not allowed to leave your house at all. Well, those so, are both ends of that. Those are both right, those, ends of the Those are both extremes, and that's miserable. Freedom. But somewhere in the middle, where you're giving up some amount of freedom, but you get a lot in return. There, there's a middle ground, and it might not be exactly at fifty percent, but it's going to be some kind of normal distribution. So, so I think that's a really good mental example to give. So, in the in the beginning of the curve, you have maximum freedom, but total chaos, and happiness is low. As you eliminate chaos you also eliminate some freedom but happiness goes up danger goes down and then as you create more and more laws like a decay diminishing China, returns and then you start getting negative returns and then people become less and less happy and you then you got to work really hard to brainwash them like in russia or north china. korea or china yeah, and so that's why I was saying you can't look at it as like freedom is the the asset that you are giving up. Freedom is not an asset; it's just a it's just a modifier. Well said. On that note, we are out. Thank you guys for joining us live. Thank you guys who watch and listen to us pre-recorded. We will see you guys next time. Yeah, we'll Adios, have to, everyone. Yeah, thanks for checking in. We'll have to hit Rosh's question at the beginning of next episode. Sounds good. All right. Cheers. See ya. All right, that concludes this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully you found it a little bit enlightening. Student loans are scary stuff and a certain amount of responsibility does lay on the banks, uh, also lays on the parents and the schools. But uh, all these things combined is making uh, making life awfully difficult for, uh, for a lot of people trying to get just an education. I like PBR, I just got priced out of it.